What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 7, Civil Defense. I'm excited to talk about it. Mike, how's it going, buddy? Hey, it's going well, Keith. Thanks for asking. A couple of housekeeping notes I wanted to mention here at the top. You know, our wives, our ex-wives, our people in our lives are, <laughs> are um, you know, talented, Keith. Uh, yes, yes, they are. You can't just you can't dispute it. Uh, no, and 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 vastly more so than yes. us. So CEO Jen, out of nowhere, gets a phone call on last week's episode. If I'm not mistaken, we were recording something during I, the show. Yeah, and I was like, I gotta go. Uh, she's like, I, we have a big dis- discussion. I was like, oh. Uh-oh. And she's like, I got a gig. And I was like, okay, what's the discussion? She's like, oh, should I take it, blah, blah. Yes, go go work. Go do your thing. So Jen shipped off last second to Chancellor Jen. Yeah, she'll be doing is... the Secret Garden, uh, which Fantastic we'll show. definitely have to go see. I'll pick you up on the way. We'll go see it. Definitely, 100%. Yes. This is this is my wife as a trooper. She got offered a, a, a role, I guess, Lily in this show some months back when they were- The lead role, yes. yes. But she was doing Fiddler, and there was talk about it extending and this and that and the other thing. So she couldn't commit, unfortunately. And so things, the business, the wheels spin and spin. Next next person up. Well, Keith, days before rehearsal start, the Lily cover hurt her back or something. So they called Jen in, and so now she is getting to cover the role that was supposed to she be hers. She was offered to proof. Yeah. But that's the business. Uh, that is the business. No, it is. It, this, this you can't be too proud. Is, can't be too proud. It is. Both magic and intensely humbling all at the yep. same time. But they are lucky to have her, oh, let yes. me tell you. Uh, and it is just this ACT of Connecticut, which I've, I saw there. She was in there into the woods a few years back, and it was just glorious. So congratulations to CEO Jen. Unfortunately, that means she's not going to be able to watch Deep Space Nine with me. Just yet, once she's out of rehearsals, work, she's going to jump back in. But you're going to have to suffer with just this guy for a few oh, weeks. Oh, man. So the patron numbers have dropped. I see it. There it is. You know, look, our uh, <laughs> promises made, promises not kept. That is what we do here. The second bit of housekeeping is sort of a combination of things. So uh, a dear friend of mine who I know listens to the show on occasion and some of our other shows has been a, just a supporter of me uh, uh, we went to high school together. He lost his dad this week. It was oh, kind of geez. sudden. And I don't know if you'll be checking out this episode, probably not, but I wanted to make sure it was out there to say our condolences from the, the K&M Empire to you, my friend. Thank you for your support. We are with you. And also, I know some of our other patrons and viewers have, have been going through some tough times themselves. want to let you all know a couple of things. One, we beg for money every episode to offset our time and I'm sticking by it but if for any reason you're going through things and you can't afford to keep up or can't pitch in or it's not a big deal we're happy you're here hit like subscribe to the channel that's all we really need from you and also look Keith and I know times get tough we want you to know we're always supporting you it's a good family here if you ever want to write a message or an email you know we'll uh, we'll we'll offer what we can but we just wanted to say we're thinking of all of you thanks for being part of the team and uh, keep that's all the housekeeping for this week. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Like you know, we're we're a we're a little family here, and uh, I I know that everybody here supports everybody else, and we're all and and yes, uh, life gets in there. We uh, we deal with real stuff, um, as everyone knows. I'm dealing with real stuff, so um, definitely uh, appreciate everybody chipping in their time and attention 
-hmm. More than the money. But you know what? We still take the money on our Patreon at patreon.com slash K&M. We are going to... uh, Remind everybody that we have lots of bonus nonsense up there. It's just Mike watching Deep Space Nine now. Chancellor Jen is out for a while. She's on the DL, but that's fine. At the very least, she's going to send in her thoughts on the episodes. Oh, good. Oh, excellent. All right, well, that's all I really care about anyway. So, uh, yeah, and we're going to have other bonus episodes. We have an AMA due that we're going to record soon. Mm -hmm. um, And uh, lots of other fun stuff. And, uh, Mike, tell us who's there. We have an old friend returning. Well, With we've got fire. our four pip, Ryan Kaufman, Casey Clark, Jason Moe, not only resubscribing to the Patreon, but also b- popping in that super chat. Jason, there is no explanation ever necessary, but we are just so happy to see you back. Welcome back to the team. Bren, Joshua, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Navoa, and the Mysterious Wharfs, Boot Chips, Richard Coleman, Charles Babbage, CRM Productions, Nikolai Ivanovich Lovachevsky, at Grim underscore Toys Delusions at noon. And you want to make some cool stuff and send it our way? JD does, mm. and he makes it. He sends it. JD sent me a VR walkthrough of the Enterprise today. I, I can't wait to check it out on, on the Patreon or if we can get it on YouTube. I don't know if, what the legalities are. We'll check it out. I'll see if I can even run it. Colin Dagan, Chris Mitchell, CRM, and of course, a good old pat on the back. Thanks, everybody. You can join that team, patreon.com slash K and M. All right. Well, now we have, uh, I, I, I think we're done begging for money. Let's talk about last week's viewer ratings this is always uh, my new favorite. So uh, last week we reviewed The Abandoned. And uh, I came in with an 87. Mike came in hot with a 91. Jen was at an 85. Uh, here are the ratings from you. You can leave your rating for Civil Defense right below here in the YouTube feed to be included in last week's viewer ratings. So Josh McCronin gives it a 73. Worf's Bootshivs gives it an 86. Delusions at Noon comes in at a 79. JD makes at an 85. And Sans Didi, new rule, Mike, speaking of housekeeping. Okay. Uh, if you leave uh, uh, one of them super tips on the YouTube with your comment and rating, I'm going to read what you said. Oh, so this I like is it. What I thought you were going to weight it higher. You are going to weight it higher on the scale, but no, 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 just read it. No, I'm going to read your comments. <laughs> All right. So Sans Deity says, I like this episode, but it's lacking something to me. I think largely it's the performance of the Jem'Hadar guy. I just didn't really care about him. And also the plot for Marta also seemed very sitcom-y. Yeah. But as usual, the bright spot is the performance of Rene Obejewishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishibishib
We, we, I talk for 90 minutes a week. You know, that, there's only so much room in my head. It, that's it's, fair. It's, you can see I'm wearing my uh, my Boston Bruins jersey. We're in the playoffs right now, the 2023 playoffs, which I'm hoping is going to be a magical run or I'm going to be so sad. All right, let's talk about this episode. Yeah. Th- this is Season 3, Episode 7, Civil Defense, which aired... On November 7th, 1994, Mike, you got to put the, the footer there because that's how I find it when oh, I put yeah, it Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Keith, uh, I mean, you, mo- let's not bury the lead. We are uh-huh. a week from my 14th birthday. That means I'm 13 years old right now, but I'm about to just pop over into... How old is Jake right now? He's 16. Oh, yeah, he's older than me. Forget it. He's older than Let me you. tell yes. you what I was, not, I was not involved with in my mm-hmm. ripe age of 13 and 14. Any sort of girl. Forget Dabo girl. Any girl whatsoever. I had my mm-hmm. Ariel, the Little Mermaid blanket, and that's about all I had. <laughs> Actually, it was a towel. It was a beach towel. Not a blanket. <laughs> this is me swallowing so many possible comments. Not gonna say it. Not gonna say it. But you all know what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, no. Uh, neither was I. Believe me. Uh, yes, alas. And this is like before the internet, too. Or before any, yeah, we've yeah, talked about our tactics before. Let's let's keep it. Let's keep it cold PG. and sad. Yeah. All right. So November seventh, nineteen ninety four. The top song, uh, possibly thirteen, almost fourteen year old Mike might have might have sung this song. Oh yeah, he was from Philadelphia, man. He was he was he was from Philly. So we got all these. I will make you watch this tense episode booby traps and bombs it's a fear star trek ode and i'll make you feel the cardassian stress in civil defense our crews put to the test there wow Whew. thank you for that i mean i mean did i write that in 11 seconds yeah i did but it wasn't bad yeah you did yeah, no, no, there you go. I mean, if you were if you were wooing a certain towel, I think it would work. Okay, <laughs> that so towel can top... walk away on its own. <laughs> oh, gross! Oh, All good, right, man. so the top movie sorry, continued mom. to be Stargate. Sorry, Keith's mom. I'm sorry to any mom. That's true. <laughs> if anybody's moms. mom is listening, it's definitely my mother, <laughs> not your mother. So the top movie continued to be Stargate in its second week of domination. Mike hated it. Keith liked it. But uh, what did Mike like on TV tonight? Uh, Keith, what I loved on TV was your New York Giants getting decimated by the then and now Dallas Cowboys, 38 to 10. Murphy Brown, all new. Dave's World, all new. The Nanny, all new. CBS just knocking it out of the park. Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, a new episode called Soul Train. Blossom was called Dirty Rotten. The NBC Monday Night at the Movies was A Burning Passion, the Margaret Mitchell story. But more more interestingly, Keith, I think to our audience, is one day prior, on November 6th, the 1994 NBC had the first TV network premiere of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Oh, there it is. There it is. Great movie. Great movie. That's what was on TV. All right. Well, uh, let's get into the hard-hitting news of the weekly world news headline. Uh, Interesting. Uh, Guess what? JFK visits his own grave. 
He is uh, photographed at his own tomb. There's amazing pictures taken in Arlington National Cemetery just days ago. Uh, but uh, he's, so he, he bows his head in silent prayer to himself. Is that the concept that yeah, they're doing Yeah, but he here? bows his silver head. Silver head. Well, because you know he was going to be a silver fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, I... <laughs> We will not get into any QAnon rumors here mm-hmm, on the, mm-hmm. this podcast. But uh, wow, also worthy of the weekly world news. All right, so let's talk about this episode. This was directed by Reza, Reza Badi. This is the first of five episodes of Deep Space Nine. It was written by Mike Crone who uh, this and a TV movie starring Randy Quaid and Ving Rhames are the only writing credits to Mike Crone's name. Uh, however, we're going to get into it. Uh, pretty much everybody had a hand in this episode. Let's talk about it in a segment we call... Now Keith, waste your time... With what? With Trivial Trivia. That's right. So, just a few things today. Uh, Odo's Season 3 belt disappears. Just as soon as it arrived, it disappears. Uh, And Renee was like, I am both responsible for this being here and getting rid of it because I thought it looked good in one uniform, but in the beige, it looks Buck Rogers-y. So, uh, he had it taken off. I think it's probably the right call. So, the writing of this episode was apparently an abject nightmare Ugh. for uh, and almost every writer on the staff took a stab at it and it kept getting shot down uh, by Rick Berman and uh, but it all finally came together Did and it? we're gonna talk about whether oh no or are we gonna have are we gonna have differing opinions on this one? Oh maybe sound feels like it. Oh wow here we go. Uh, so I will say uh, also the lighting on this episode was a nightmare because of the low light version of ops and all that area. Mm. They hadn't planned to do a low light version and it meant they had to go, uh, go into the flies and change all the lights as well as all of the built in lights and displays. They had to like open them up and put other gels, put other filters and crank them down. So it was not just like you could press a button and put it to 30%. You can't do, you know. Yeah, I mean, the show is, with the is fairly lights. dark to begin with. So, yes, yeah. it was. It, it, and that's, that makes sense now thinking about it. All those lights did not work with an app on your phone like they do today. So, uh, very, very cool. Uh, this is where we do what was Voyager doing? Getting ready to premiere for sure. Uh, as Mike mentioned, the New York football giants got their asses kicked by the Dallas Cowboys because they cut Bill Sims and the Philadelphia football Eagles. I'm looking it up. What did they do? Were they off that week? They might have been on a bye. Who cares? It was the Eagles. Oh, wait, no. They beat the Arizona Cardinals. Beat Steve Berline and the Arizona Cardinals. Keith, raise oh. your hand if your football team currently has the highest paid quarterback in the league. Uh, I almost do, and he has had <laughs> one good season. <laughs> oh. Oh. All right, the guest stars in this episode include Andrew Robinson here as Garrick, Mark Alimo as Gull Ducat. We have Cardassian royalty today, and Danny Goldring as Kel. What do you say? 
We go in to the screening room. Okay. <laughs> so we begin our teaser with Jake and O'Brien deleting old Cardassian software in one of the ore processors to install a Windows update. We are reminded. Don't do that it. This... Just wait. Mike. <laughs> Mike. It doesn't give you that option. It's like restart now. Restart in six minutes. Restart now. Would you like to restart in six? You have an update. Keith. Keith, you have an update. Keith, would you like to update? Keith, would you like? To, I don't want to update. Keith, you want to update? Keith, Keith, you should update. You want to update? Well, I don't usually, think you update. restart in six minutes. You need those security updates. I, but it's it's your Franken machine, which kind of like the Defiant is overpowered, but <laughs> but uh, breaks apart all the time because it's not well designed. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's it not, is way overpowered. It is. Um, it's like I, I built this PC, but there's like one driver that conflicts. I don't know what it is, but it's somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's in the fallopian tubes. Or the Jeffers. <laughs> the fallopian tubes. Uh-huh. Let's move on. Jake, don't listen, Jake. Close your ears. Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, at least it's your computer that has them and not that towel. Otherwise, there'd be a lot of <laughs> monsters wandering <laughs> the universe. <laughs> that might be the funniest thing you ever said. <laughs> That's a callback, folks. That's what we call that. Okay. All right. Well, this will get us back down. We were reminded that this uh, room used to be a site of slave labor that did not have a great survival rate. It's pretty bleak. But O'Brien plans to convert the setup to process deuterium rather than ore. Jake finds a mysterious file. And O'Brien tries to delete it. You don't, you don't, you don't need to see that, Jake. That's a temp install file. You don't need it. You don't need yeah, to look don't at worry that. about it. No, put, no, 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 put it in the file folder that says "Do not look." Yeah, it's not named anything. It's uh, no. It's just called backup. <laughs> backup, exactly. <laughs> slash Keith. <laughs> no, 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 not slash. <laughs> no, 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 slash. Uh, <laughs> probably slash my brother. Because <laughs> you, know, you need to divert. <laughs> All right, anyway. Mike, work. why are these files password protected? They, I don't know. I don't know. It's science. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we're a mess. <sighs> so uh, as O'Brien tries to delete it, a warning comes up and says, enter access code in five seconds or else. The doors shut and they get... So he doesn't, obviously. The doors shut and they get an automated message on ops saying... There is a Bajoran worker revolt in ore processing. A recorded video of Dukat says the Bajoran workers' revolt is going to fail. We will kill you if you stop trying. You have eight minutes, Mike. All episode, I'm trying to figure out, because clearly, one of two things. A lot of these videos of Alima look 3D rendered, like bad 3D rendered. And some are definitely FMV. So... Am I, is it just bad FMV or is some of it like 3D modeled? I can't, like this one. No, I, I, I honestly, I think it's probably the AI upscale. Oh, that's struggling right. Struggling with okay. 
with, that makes a lot uh, more with sense. the video there. Well, they yeah, because they're still very proud of this little screen they made because it's he they keep like I would say eighty percent of his appearance in this episode is on this little screen. Yeah, and there's and we see some in ops too, but but yeah, so there yeah I I think it's yes it I think it's just regular video that we're supposed to be seeing and would normally be seeing except for the upscale. So uh oh. They've triggered an alarm. They have eight minutes, and we head to Act One. O'Brien can't get the doors open, and Kira calls from up saying, uh, what, what's going on, guys? They discover that the transporters are now locked and asking for another security code. The software on the computer, on the uh, station, still thinks the Cardassians are in charge of the station. Nobody and fixed Odo. that. This nobody. We haven't addressed that in the year plus we've been on the station. Well, they have, but this is this was like an. Uh, it's like that file that you can't delete that's just hidden in the back and nobody bothered to look at because they weren't using the ore processing. Mm. So it had been abandoned. You know, the whole ore processing center had been abandoned since they arrived because there's no reason to be there. Okay, so there's a failsafe built in there that they just okay. All right, I'll buy it. Yeah. I, I I think it makes perfect sense, honestly. I like it. Anyway. But it's not just like uh, a little file. It's a, a, a file that can clearly master override the entire station. Well, it's a security failsafe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's it's like a little piece of uh, spyware or it's like a little virus they put in that once it once it's activated, it can go and take control of everything else. We can, we can do that right now if we click on the yeah, wrong website. Yeah, I understand that. But then we go through a bunch of episodes in season one and two where, like, we're looking at the subsystems and then this subsystem and then that subsystem and then this subsystem. I thought we had genius engineers, but we we didn't know that, oh, you know, I didn't know there's a master override system and, and all of our doors can be locked and the phasers can be shot at us through the replicators? Michael, Michael. Take that take that that fallopian tube enabled computer right in front of you. You're pretty on top of that. You built that thing by hand. Do you have any idea what 92% of the files on there do or where they are? And yeah, but you... I didn't go to college for that. Like I didn't go to Starfleet to teach me that. Oh, but even if had? you but even if you did, you wouldn't know and think about the complexity of your computer versus what the entire stations and it's an it, they've modded an OS onto another OS, so it's craziness. Now, Keith, I could fix it, but mm-hmm. I got these eight degree eighth degree burns, and until you get me back to ops to, or med to fix it, I can't do nothing. These hands are That's worthless. What I'm, saying. I'm saying it 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 does not strain my credulity. All right. Well, you wait for my la- then you wait for my next wormhole. You wait. Great. Okay. Great. Well, all right. Fine. I'm not afraid. So. uh... Odo calls, saying, you know what, I'm going to try to uh, shut this down using my old Cardassian codes. Uh, Because remember, he used to be in the same position with the Cardassians there. Quark enters, complaining about the recording of Dukat freaking out his customers. He reveals that Quark has the Cardassian codes 1 through 7 already. That's more than Odo has. No surprise there. But Quark... Because a, a tingle in the lobes, he knows what's what, smells that there's a bigger problem afoot, and decides to stay with Odo, assuming it's the safest place in the station. Uh, not necessarily a bad assumption. So we head back to the ore processing center, and Ben, Jake, and O'Brien are still trapped. Cisco decides to play along and tell the computer that, hey, I'm the leader of the vault, I'm surrendering, huzzah, we're done. 
The Ducat recording says, wait for Cardassian security, and Cisco has bought them some time. Uh, but not a lot. But Jake notices that the ore chute isn't locked because it's usually filled with molten goo. So they make a plan for Jake to crawl through and open a door from the outside. It's cool. It's like sort of Indiana Jonesy, the Gooniesy yeah. here. Um, and of course, Jake is for the next twenty minutes still small enough to get through that tube. I bet they they were like, "Oh, we got to get this filmed right now because he's growing six inches a day." Yeah, they do their best to make it sound like he's in the 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 shoots as you know Ben's hitting it with the stick, but the mix isn't great. That's. Sorry. Not, no, no, no. Hey, look, my, my family was working on Voyager at this point. Oh, okay. Well, they, they cle- clearly the void was, was, was felt, Keith. <laughs> well, also, that's a separate department. Yeah. That's the ADR department. Uh, anyway. So, the, sh- uh, the shoot is cool, though. That's a cool prop. Great. The uh, Ducat recording comes on and says, hey, you didn't surrender. If you don't, in three minutes, I'm going to gas the room. Uh, and you all die. Mm-hmm. But uh, no surprise there, the Cardassians. So uh, Jake crawls up the pipe. Ducat says, you have two minutes. Only ten seconds later. Uh, very impatient, Ducat is. And Jake works his way through. They build suspense while Ducat announces time's up. And they start the gas. I, love, I just love that Ben is leading him like a lion tamer with that stick. Just banging on the dunk, dunk, dunk. Well, but I mean, what else would you do, right? I just, <clears throat> what makes it kind of work is what you said. It is the Indiana Jones thing. For some reason, specifically on Trek, and I guess in Star Wars too, I like practical effects. So, Oh, yeah. Like, you know, the phaser stuff is cool. The, the explosions and stuff, are, I guess, are cool later. But I, I, this, this scene really kind of is fun because everything's there and they're getting to play and, and get their hands dirty. So it's cool. Except for Jake, yeah. who's clearly not in this scene. No, no, he's sort of there. I, I, I actually didn't have the problem with the audio, but I wasn't I didn't have headphones on, so so uh anyway, Jake opens the hatch and they barely escape the neurazine gas. That does bring up a point I might have mentioned before. Sorry. <clears throat> I'm in a mood today, Keith, so I uh, clearly. You know, I no, we have mentioned this before when in, in regards to your family, but when I do listen to all the episodes with cans on and there is like real for the most part really good this was about the practice too on network television there's actually some really good stereo pan work like there's a good mm-hmm. uh what do they call that um uh sound field or sound stage very wide it's very specific but none of us heard that crap because it was either on the a crappy tv or like the speakers are were crap or right. Most more likely on a VHS tape through a crappy TV. So, oh yeah, yeah. There's all that work just for not. I guess. Oh, it's the terrible. DVD well, release, or I, I guess originally on VHS release, right? VHS, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I've told this story before. I forget on what, what show, what and we've done so many episodes. I don't remember, but I remember when uh, Generations came out, and that was the first uh, film that that Jim worked on, my uncle and. Uh, we were in Burlington, Vermont, because that's where my family lives. So we went to go to, oh, let's all go see Jim's movie. He's going to be so excited. We we're all excited. And he calls the theater ahead of time. And then like, because he's been working in stereo on television this whole time. And they put in like 5.1, like six channel for the first time. And the movie done all this work, all this. 
and he calls up the movie. There's like, yeah, we we have stereo, Ugh. and it's like, what? The <laughs> so we were like literally calling around all of Vermont trying to find a theater that had freaking better than stereo. Mm-hmm. Uh, not true anymore, but like. Because now I have 5.1 right behind me. Yeah, you do. If I go to the movies, which I've been going a little bit more frequently because I found some showings that are empty. Um, if I'm going to go, I don't want to be around too many people. But I'll say that I won't bother unless I can find a theater that is like the, the highest laser projection with the highest amount of Atmos sound or whatever. Because otherwise... What's the point? What's the point? Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, yeah. No, that was pretty embarrassing mm. for the, I think, the Ethan Allen cinemas. Shots fired from 1995. Well, and guess what? It You have to check because my brother and I saw the Mario movie this past week. And that was an animated film, so it didn't bother me enough to, like, complain. But the, the I could tell from the trailers beforehand, the sync was off. Like, Ugh. I don't know what – if there was, like – I think there's a 3D version and maybe they played the wrongs. I don't know what the technical reasoning was, but it was, like, mm. just a millisecond off – had that been, I would have had to leave had it been live yeah. action. But on the animation, I was able to kind of sus- to get over it. But yeah, well, here I actually on that we're never going to finish this episode. So on, on that exactly, I dealt with that this week um, with because I, I wanted to play with the new with the new surround sound system that I have. So I popped in the greatest movie of all time. Sorry, it's not a Star Trek movie, but it is the finest cinematic achievement in history. Aliens. It's good. Which which I have on Blu-ray. So I, I was like, let me pop it in. And the only thing I have that plays Blu-ray is my Xbox. Mm, there's problems so, with that in Dolby. There is. And I was like, oh, God, the sync is off. This I, I can't even do this. Until, here's your workaround, folks. Somebody on Reddit had it. Uh, switch to your TV's game mode. Mm. Uh, as opposed to its cinema mode or whatever. So it, it has, at least this TV, has a dedicated game mode for your thing. That synced it right up. And was it awesome? Did it add a uh, dimension? Oh, it's, I mean, phenomenal, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, first off, it's aliens, so it'd be awesome under any circumstance. It's really cool how they, even with just two rear channels, they can simulate the the, the placement. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, this this Blu-ray actually did have 5.1, like, That's for awesome. realsies, which cool. was awesome. Anyway, huh, what, where the hell are we? Uh, okay, Jake's, so in the, Jake's in the fallopian tubes. They Jake has climbed his way back up the fallopian tubes to escape the neurazine gas. So on ops, Dax spouts some technobabble, and the Cardassian computer announces that the Bajoran workers have escaped, and they're escalating the countermeasures. Dukat's video keeps making threats and decides to escalate it to the point where we're going to kill every Bajoran on the station. Whew! Okay. Which is... <clears throat> but that's but that's Cardassia, right? And it's they are. Did it say how they were going to do that, or was it just a threat? Neurazine gas, okay. same thing. So they they're using poison gas to just take everybody out. But the gas doesn't affect all the Cardassians on the ship. Uh, no, but if you remember, at this point, the Bajorans and the Cardassians were segregated. Okay. So they were able to just gas the the Bajoran area. Uh, so that's not great, and it all it was also warning Cardassians to mm-hmm. leave. So, in Act 2, Jake, Sisko, and O'Brien crawl through a tube and arrive at a loading bay. They're cornered again, and now their communicators are no longer working. On Ops, they figured out that they're also trapped in by doors and force fields to protect them 
from the Bajoran revolt. And there's a dampening field, which is why they cannot communicate. Odo and Quark find out, we found out, are also trapped. And that the force fields go all the way through the bulkheads. So no escape for Odo goo either. So they flirt and banter for a while. So we head back to the mines and they try bashing through a door with a Temple of Doom cart. That was cool. To no avail. Yeah, so fun. But Cisco has an idea to blow stuff up with the ore itself. And O'Brien starts working on a way to ignite it. See, I'm loving all of this because they're coming up with, you know, obstacle met with interesting solution, met with new obstacle, met with interesting st- solution here. Uh, I was I was 100% on board. Yeah, with I guess it's tough for me because they've done such a good job of raising the sort of meta stakes of the series. And so when we then drill into sort of ostensibly a multi-bottle episode, the stakes and the, I mean, they, there's a, there's clearly a very tangible ticking clock. They're announcing it at every, at every moment, but the stakes aren't, don't feel particularly harrowing because we know, uh, well, you know what? I was going to say nobody's going to die, but they do vaporize one dude in a little bit. Oh yeah. One poor guy gets his ass kicked. But so I guess I just wasn't, so, so that that was your main issue, where we know nobody's going to die because there are heroes. Yeah, and it just felt. But isn't that true of every episode, no, 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 even no, if I it's agree, tied to the but, greater? So, so the so the problem solving needs to be better, in my opinion. Like the moment to moment, I would say that the it, it would be fine if they weren't trying to replicate that drama in, in all three sets. The, in the A set with O'Brien, Jake, and. Ben, I think that's where they, the writers did the best pass at uh, different tactics and different, you know, stakes. And I think the actual, the, the end game, the finish of their little plot is probably the best. Uh, and then in, it wasn't as effective here. It gets a little bit in, in, in the ops world. I think the, the finish gets a little political, which is cool. But in the Odo, I feel like the Odo, I'm, I'm talking about the end of the episode now, but the Odo and... Renee scene or <laughs> the quark feels like we haven't done scene. this in a while. Uh, just felt like a like a just a flat turd the whole time through. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, I I I I agree with you that that is the weakest of the three, and mainly and and actually uh, uh, Renee and Armin sort of said that just like we're we're repeating beats that we've already done character wise it would have been great if we've been able to push yeah, there's that no advancement in the bit. plot there's no they don't help in any sort of way we don't learn anything about them just sort of their banter's well, we, not even that witty well no i mean there there is this sort of thing like you're the most devious uh yes ferengi that i know and that was kind of cute and the fun um, they're, they, they have the end of the episode in fact they right. have and that is kind of fun but you, it's all buried in the mix you can't hear it and they're walking away and i was like oh they kind of blew that but anyway oh, let's, let's get there and we also learn about quark's cousin gala who owns a moon she's yeah she she, she has a moon that's cool she, he gala's male i believe we're gonna we're, we there's a chance we might meet cousin mm, gala okay. so uh yeah anyway so that yes I'm with you on that, but I actually I, I disagree about whether or not the stakes were satisfying. Anyway, okay. let's uh, let's we have to burn through three more four more acts before we yeah. do this. 
So Jake says, uh, yes, they they find the uh, communication award. Dex pulls herself up. Yes. Uh, on Dex, on Dex, on Ops, Dex is pretty badly burned while trying to break into some Technobabble Technobabble. This escalates the security program further. Ducat, the, uh, see there, he's a, a, a triple monitor now, announces that they're going to gas the entire habitat ring now. And uh, this is the first time I thought, wow, Ducat must have spent a very long time doing a lot of what-if self-tapes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You're like, this isn't just like a little program. This is a giant Sims-level what if there's a huge revolt that we've got to shut off everything, kill everyone, lock ourselves in our rooms? I mean, that's not a failsafe. That's a whole thing. But okay. Well, but, you know, they would, right? And also, we think about it in terms of having him having to record all of that. But, like, all of that is AI. He doesn't need to be a part of any of it. If yeah, we can, rep- if what we can other, replicate then what, he must have, his, He must have had a full-time job of just thinking of all the weird crap that could go wrong. Well, but, like, think about this. A revolt of the slaves that they have on the station is probably pretty high on their list of security concerns. So this probably would be like the number one thing they'd be worried about. And they didn't they didn't clue Odo into any of it. I guess we'll we learn that they're they we were, don't trust Odo. We don't trust him. We lock him in his room. Yeah. So that all see it all tracks when you think about it. Speaking of people we don't trust, Keith. Indeed, Garrick arrives on Ops. And he's able to move freely around the station because he's Cardassian. And he's got authorization codes that help him move. But alas, only him. He can't stop the whole thing. So he suggests, uh, if we're about to fill the entire uh, station with poison gas, uh, let's destroy the life support system. Because that's how you're pumping it through the air. And it Good idea. It buys them 12 hours, at least before they all freeze to death and run out of oxygen. But, see, like, that part, that piece was like, okay, that makes sense to me. It's a good, like, problem solving. We're, we're thinking thinking it through. I liked it. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, Kira... Clearly, Ducat a, would have thought of that, though. Possibly. Possibly. But we don't know that... Also, Ducats. why we didn't know all this time that there's poisonous gas on the ship in storage so enough to store to to murder everyone somewhere in store? Well, I thought about that, right? Mm-hmm. Because that doesn't seem like a good idea to have poisonous no. gas in like a, a little pocket of poisonous gas in every air conditioner. However, I can imagine the Federation like, oh, we're kind of in a war zone. We've already had people take the station over once. Maybe we maybe we do want to have the ability to to gas certain sections of the station. See, what I was hoping you were going to tell me, Keith, was that the mm-hmm. lore has established that that gas is actually used in the creation of the O2, and they it's a part. It's a it's just a, it's like a part of the. It's like methane is ne- necessary for our natural gas, and so I mean we don't we shouldn't be breathing that either. But when used in this system, it is health. It is okay. Well, but you're telling no, me I, no, it's the straight poison gas. It's, it's anthrax a, that we just keep next to the air conditioner. It's a security measure. But like, think about it. Like, all right, so let's let's envision a Jem'Hadar attack on the station, mm-hmm. and we're like, wow, they've taken decks one through seven. 
Let's just gas. Everyone else, everyone's dead. Keith, there's incels at the door. Don't worry about it. Behind my action figures, I actually keep a little anthrax just in case. I'm just saying. Well, I don't have as many security concerns here as Mm. a station. Well, you got to protect Charlie at all costs. Charlie? I need protection from Charlie. That's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I, I don't know how many scratches I have on me, but all right. Anyway, we are never going to finish this episode. It's going to be two hours long. What, uh, what else is new? What else is new? Uh, yeah, so Kira decides to uh, take care of the life support system by just shooting it. Yeah, this is her second blast of the episode, P.S. She tried to Which blow is, the door down, too. She sure did. Uh, I... I Here's where I have a... Should your life support system be just a phaser away from killing the entire station? Yeah, we just... Didn't we just establish that there's also poison gas within that system? We probably don't want to ignite that. No, well, this is the this is the control center. This is the, this is the motherboard of the oh, okay. life support system. You know, Keith, <laughs> anecdotally, I uh, had a TV once that hit the, hit the shits, and... Uh, and it, the last the last attempt that I found on Reddit before I just had to throw the whole TV away oh, yeah. was to put the motherboard, the logic board of the television, in the oven and bake it for like twelve yeah. minutes, and I did it, and it worked. It worked. So, but maybe that's maybe there it is. But actually, if you're able to short out the motherboard, I mean, you'd think they have a backup and then a backup and then a backup of the backup. But let's pretend it actually worked. This means you don't actually de- destroy. The life support system. You're just destroying the brain so it doesn't do anything. So that's good news. Yeah, the good thing the explosion is directly where the phaser is sitting. It sort of is. <laughs> what are you talking about? Keith that, defends that... everything. But go, wait, go back. Go back. Look, where? What is the? what is the hottest point of the You're... fire sparks? It is dead center on the laser Happy beam. Happy Fourth of July. All right, here we go. God bless America. That set's great, though. See? Anyway, uh, <laughs> after all of this, oops, this escalates a counterinsurgency program from level two to level three. Uh-oh. Self-destruct. Come- yes. Ducat announces that the Bajoran workers have taken the station, and he is probably dead. So he initiates a self-destruct sequence on a two-hour timer. Why would it be two hours? Yeah, that's Why the thing. wouldn't it be just if, like if right I'm now? dead, if we've reached the point where I'm dead and we're just like you all are done, just blow it up. Beep. Why you don't have to give him a warning? Just like sorry. Well, but there might be other Cardassians alive. Yeah, on get the a station. life ship. Get a or life ship. What yeah, get a life ship, ship Mike. <laughs> so in Act Three, Quark is trying to phaser his way past the force fields, and Odo naturally stops him. So Quark monologues about his life choices that led him there. He never should have left home, and he as all of his family members are more successful than he is, including his cousin Gala, who owns a moon. What actually... This is the piece... same conversation we had before we started rolling today. Well, God, that is so true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I do think it is interesting for Quark's character, right? That I, this, this is the one piece of new information that we don't have that he his father told him not to leave the rest of his family is more successful than he is and so he with all of his bravado has has a pretty deep-seated insecurities about his level of success 
which yeah. we haven't really addressed yet. Yeah, I thought that was cool. So that's that is an interesting character beat. So Odo tries to cheer him up, and he's never met a more devious Ferengi than Quark, and this of course makes him feel much better. On ops, the lights have gone out, and Bashir can't treat Dax, despite having a med kit and a tricorder there. But I guess he needs the, internet. the special he goo. Needs the internet man. That's right. So he needs to go on YouTube to uh, how do you fix Dax's burns. So Garrick announces that he has read access to all the programs, but can't change anything. And the only person who can turn this off is Gul Dukat himself. And even if he had Dukat's code, there's a biosensor. And Dax suggests, well, let's kill the biosensor for a couple of seconds. This gives Bashir and Garrick a chance to flirt a bit themselves. But then... He notices that uh, to pretend to be Dukat, the computer is constantly forcing him to prove he is Dukat by identifying stoplights and bicycles. And, of course, he screws it up, and level four begins. A phaser thing is replicated and starts shooting everywhere and takes out the nameless red shirt, of course. Bye, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing: I love replicating the shooter thingy onto the onto ops. Mm-hmm. So cool. We have like well, there, we have no safety overrides on anything anymore. I mean, nothing's safe. Every time you make a rock to Gino, you better hope that a rock to Gino comes out because it could also be a circle ball that shoots everybody and kills people. But it's Cardassians. Cardassians don't have any. Also, safety I'd hate measures. to be at the month, the 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 quarterly meeting that Ben has to go to and be like, "Well, yeah, we lost a good sixteen crew members this year. Uh, what happened? <laughs> well, one got shot by a black tea. Uh, one one got gassed accidentally in the fallopian tube." Yeah, yeah. And how did it all start? Well, I clicked on that file that said "Don't click on yeah, me." Yeah, and yeah. Uh, oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I love the. I love the the. The concept of it, and I like the visual of the shooting, and it yeah, it was cool. Apparently, and, and, I'm sure it was. This is the ass. way they were like, let's try to save some money by doing a bottle episode. Nope. Yeah, everything's gonna be blasting from everywhere. It's so expensive to do all of that, or it was at the time. So, uh, back in the mines, they make progress. Uh, we'll talk about it later. So, back on ops, they're all pinned down by the phaser shooting everywhere. Then. In beams real-life Gul Dukat, all cocky and unfazed by the phasers. And this is where the episode gets fun for me. This is where the episode begins. Uh, he, Dukat, received an automated distress signal from himself. He is delighted. He can tell the auto-destruct system, auto system has begun, and he taunts them all mercilessly. He now wants to negotiate first before he stops the system. He also notices Garrick is there and finds it all hilarious as well. Garrick brings up Dukat's father. Apparently, Garrick had a hand in getting Dukat's father convicted of something. And in Cardassia, that means executed. So they've got history. They got beef. They've got beef. We hinted at a little bit before, but that, like, oh, I got your father killed. That's pretty beefy. Yeah, but we've so, seen a Cardassian trial before. There, it's a show trial, so. But it always ends in execution, yeah, unless, yeah. of course, uh, what, what's his name? Biff, Bistro, Bart. Uh, 
the, his all three old, of those are friend. wrong, but awesome. <laughs> Bart, Bistro, and Biff, who are three That's characters who I hope Boone, uh, Boone. That's who it is. Definitely Boone, not Biff, or B- Bart know. or Bistro. Bistro was the best one, though. I knew it was a B. Yeah, I, was, I, I, got, I got half credit. It was Boone. Uh, <coughs> Ducat turns off the phaser thing and meets with Kira in Cisco's office. He knocks his baseball off the desk. What a I thought dick. They, was, they had come to like a, a tentative respect off in that last episode with the two of them. I mean, sort of. He's still a dick. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, now that he, and when he learns that Ben is uh, predisposed... I think that well, he really knows he's got the, the upper I mean, hand here, or thinks Ducat's he does. Ducat's primary character flaw is his arrogance, mm-hmm. and and is his, um, which makes his, and I'll I buy it, so I'm not <clears throat> I'll complain about something else, but which makes his sort of quote unquote undoing in this episode really choice because we had just joked about clearly he thought about every he thought through this entire potential plot in order to like except for the one way he could get screwed well but that wasn't something that he built because he built he he thought he built the entire thing right but but the the cardassian government's got layers uh or are we okay so he says i'll fix your problem if you allow me to station cardassian troops on ds9 kira's like Hell no, I'd rather destroy the station and die. But Ducat says, well, you'd rather kill 2,000 people? Uh, We also learn here the station population has grown from 300-something in the first season to over 2,000, which makes more sense to me. He says, you've got 30 minutes before this blows up. I'm going to head back to my ship, and I'll, I'll talk to you then. He tries to beam back, but it doesn't work because here's another recording of another more powerful Cardassian and it says Ducat, I see you have tried to abandon your station during self-destruct. This will not be permitted. You've disgraced yourself and all of Cardassia. All fail-safes have been eliminated. Your codes have been deleted. Try to die like a Cardassian. We're still gonna let everybody blow up. But We're going to blow up everybody. I loved this twist. Yes, good twist. And you knew it was coming, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, pride cometh before the, the fall in all of television. And he was, like, he was such a dick. You knew we were going to satisfy ourselves somehow. But I love that that's how we got screwed. But it does bring up my major wormhole, Keith. Okay, let's do it. Get into it. Even though it's not wormhole time, but might as well do it now. Yeah. So, when... <clears throat> the initial fail-safes were, <clears throat> were uh, executed. Uh, Ducat got a ping on his Apple Watch, and so we beamed on board and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And there, here we are. So clearly at this point, we could venture to predis- presuppose that someone in the Cardassian main command would have gotten Apple Watch pinged that this was happening, right? And... Because of the political ramification, the the tense political standoff between the Bajorans and the, what this mm-hmm. what what position this station holds, you would think they don't want Deep Space Nine to blow up the Cardassians. It would it would be a bad look 
Because clearly sure. there's some sort of – I imagine there's a live feed somewhere that could indicate that there wasn't a slave revolt. So you would think someone above Ducat would probably beam aboard or abort this whole thing before it kind of got out of hand. And 30 minutes to blow up is pretty out of hand. You certainly would think that, except for – You think they're going to play dumb very... because it behooves them no. to blow everybody up? Ducat, when he comes on, specifically says – I was patrolling near here. So he got the message before Cardassia would have gotten the message. So Cardassia probably doesn't even know anything is happening yet. Okay. Because they are light years away. So they don't get the ping on the Apple Watch. They don't they're get on the a different ping? wireless. Uh, they're on okay. a different wireless. So they're on Verizon is what you're saying. They're on this Verizon. This AT, AT&T only. This is like totally T-Mobile. Let's be honest. This is a cricket. It's, it's, this is a cricket it's, it's scenario. Cricket, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, if you put it like, that way, he's got a jitterbug. Because <laughs> <laughs> of big numbers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's borrowing his brothers. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think that this. I, I think that they specifically had Ducat right in the area already, because he wouldn't have gotten the information fast enough anyway. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, because they're like days away. So, all right. So now, guess what? Ducat is very invested. And he tries to stop the self-destruct. But of course, of course, his codes are void now. Garrick now finds this all hilarious. They need to shut down the fusion reactor to prevent the blow-up. Because they, they also all need to stand in this very specific positioning so they can be on camera. Yeah, four by three, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh... But the, the way the uh, station is going to blow up is the fusion reactor is going to overload. Uh, but they can't get there because they can't get past the force fields. In the mines, O'Brien zaps the ore and blows the door open, uh, setting off really cool, practical, sparky things to blow up the door. Loved it. Fun. Practical. Uh, Very Temple Indiana Jonesy. Yeah. Temple of Doomy. Love it. So in ops, Ducat monologues about how smart he is. And Garrick calls him on trying to impress Kira, who looks appropriately horrified by that idea. Did we know that he's into her? Um I don't think he specifically said it, but there's there's definitely been a vibe for a while. His reaction here is a little like playing bashful, which felt we like weird to me, but I mean, I, I get think, it. He was being called out, and I, I get it, but it just felt... It, well, I, I I think his bashfulness shows that Garrick's right. 100%. It was true. 100%. And I, 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 think he, I think he was just taken off guard, not expecting someone to tell what he was doing. And it's right in front of Kira, too. Yeah. So, like, it's super embarrassing. I, I, believe me, if somebody did that to me, I would I would turn bashful as well. So, And I am a clearly a supervillain, so... Uh, so Dax has an idea to overload the power grid, and Ducat has the idea to use the old Cardassian emitters, emitters that used to be fatal to do it. They're going to blow out the turbolifts and transporters as they do. So they've got this crazy power grid in the station, but uh, they, the super fatal thing that the Cardassians, whatever, the blah, 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 pew, 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 blow it up. But... The, the technobabble of it all is less important than the fact that we're reminded that the Cardassians have no safety measures. 
And so the reason it's still active is the the Federation bypassed them and covered them up because they were fatal, which is Except why Except for the poison gas. Because they might need it. Mm, okay. They might need it. Like, you know, shit goes down on this station. None, you might need to maybe, gas they, somebody, Mike. Yeah, maybe, but we, it took us till season three to even get a pew-pew on our runabout. That's a, that's a budgetary issue. You still might <laughs> need to kill people. <laughs> and gas is invisible, so it's cheap. So, well, I mean, no, they, they clearly have, they've got smoke machines. Yeah. Easy peasy. No, those are everywhere. Uh, all right. So, but when they, when they, when they overload the power grid, they're going to blow out the turbo lifts and transporters. So the moving around is going to be harder. Then we see O'Brien and, Cis- and the Cisco's making a plan to climb up the turbo lift shafts. They do the overload and there are lots of noises and sparks. Then it stops and communication works again. They call Cisco. They hopefully can get to the reactor in time while everybody else evacuates. So luckily, we're super, now we're tying the uh, the mm-hmm. goonies of it all. So in Act 5, in Odo's office, Kira calls and tells them they're free. But the force field around Odo is still working. And he realizes that the force field around his office is on a separate system as a mm. secondary defense against him personally. Interesting. So O'Brien and Cisco walk through the hallways trying to make a plan on techno, techno, blabble, babble, shields divert, blah, blah. They run into a bunch of debris they can't get through. So they have to crawl into another Jeffrey's tube. But this one's on fire. They're going to have to leave Jake behind. The fire is green. It's cool. Lots of sparks. As they go through, um, and once again, I think it's practical fire they're working with here too, which it's is cool. which is pretty cool. It's definitely in the background, but yeah. Well, I mean, they're not dying; it's just super hot in there. Uh, but there's a lot of sparks, and O'Brien is knocked out. Cisco has to keep going. They made a promise. Uh, they promised. They made a promise. Yep. You gotta gotta leave him behind. He breaks through and gets to the fusion reactor. And Jake heroically goes into the fire tunnel to save O'Brien. Good job, Jake. Well done, Jake. Best hero moment of the show. Definitely. Cisco shuffles isolinear rods rapidly as the countdown continues. Jake saves O'Brien. And the station starts to overload and zapping all of the energy into the shields and not into the station itself. So the technobabble part is actually makes, makes sense, right? Yeah. We're going to shoot it out as opposed to in, and that's what saves the day. Odo and Quark are finally free, but Quark has hacked into Odo's files and reads all about himself. And sadly, Odo has written a self-important con artist who is nowhere near as clever as he thinks he is. It's very sad. And he says, uh, you're not even that devious as they flirt down the hall and life returns to normal and uh have 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 you ever done that have you ever like read a a casting note session and see what was noted about yourself from your audition no i've heard read some reviews and i've watched actually not to get to i know this is a joke but i've sat in on a few auditions and i've seen people write some really really terrible things that have made me really kind of compartmentalize the terribleness of this whole business we're a part of. 
Yes, I, without, should I tell the story? Should probably not tell the story. Anyway, I have, I've also seen some, uh, some, let's, let's say interesting behavior uh, mentioned by certain people. Yeah, it's not awesome. It's not awesome. You hear me? I just bailed so hard on the story. But I will say what's good about it is the more, the longer you do it, you realize that you know, from behind the table, you often, you know, when somebody walks in the door and opens their mouth, it's like, we talked about this before, Keith, but you know within 10 seconds whether somebody's even remotely right or... Easily. <clears throat> but as you get older and a little bit more experienced, when you're the person auditioning, you generally know within 15 seconds whether it's going well or not, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, they're it, into me or they're not. It's And there's good news in there. Yeah. That, like, that... And in fact, like, the 10 seconds before you open your mouth... You are eighty percent in or eighty percent mm-hmm. out. Then five seconds into your singing, you're you're in or out. Yep. And and the rest of it doesn't matter. And it really is. You forget your words, doesn't matter. Yeah. You drop your your banjo, doesn't matter. You fall down, you crack, doesn't matter. Yep. Like all of that stuff doesn't matter. All right. Anyway, let us do a little vocab quiz. Shall oh, yeah. we? Do I have a button for that? I think I have to. I don't know. And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek Vocabulary Quiz! Alright, just one today. Uh, Referenced early in the episode, what is deuterium? Deuterium is is a gas that can poison everybody? Uh, No, that's neurazine gas. Oh yeah, deuterium. Uh, it's, it's unfair because it is not explained in this episode, but it is what O'Brien is converting uh-huh. the processor to process. Deuterium is how they power the ships during normal operations. So not the warp drive. The warp drive is controlled by... Uh, um, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Everyone is freaking out. The, t- the, the d- crystals. D- d- uh, it, ir- uh, d- iridium. Dilithium. Dilithium. By dilithium. Crystal. You know that was on. Uh, that was a a Jeopardy. Ooh. A Jeopardy answer the other day. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So dilithium crystals are how they regulate the warp drive, but deuterium is like their regular gas huh. for their regular stuff. So you you need deuterium and dilithium crystals for regular transportation and warp. All right, so uh, let us warp our way and move along home. I'm sure this is going to sound great. Oh, yeah. Ah! Ah! What sound do you hate? (laughs) All right, it's going to be a knockdown, drag out, attention, Bajoran workers. It is time to discuss wormholes in the plot. Well, like I said, the wormholes are just... <clears throat> it seemed a little contrived that we all get trapped in this very elaborate ruse or uh, fail-safe that then Ducat is caught in. I guess you did a... I say you did a decent job of explaining those away in lore, though it does seem... Because of some, I'm of the just things. getting started. Yeah, be, but it does seem like the majority of those issues stemmed from 
what you, what you said in the beginning, it's a weaker script that was tossed around a lot. And so there's a lot of input and ideas and cleanup and it, it, the, the lack of cohesion. There's a lot of pewdie-pews and shooty-shoots and, and problems and solutions, but nothing particularly unifying that, that was satisfying to me. But that's not that's a critique, not a wormhole, Keith. I would say yeah, you, did, so- you did yeoman's work closing the wormholes. Yeah, because I, I actually think that it's much tighter than it seems if you really think it through. Um, that the, and especially today, thinking about software security, escalation, that kind of stuff, it's like how many times do you put in the wrong password, right? And then it escalates it. Is the first time I'm like, oh, you forgot your password. Okay, no. Oh, you forgot your password again? All right, uh, prove that you're, you know, show, show, me which, show me which one's the picture of a tractor. And then you fail that, then 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 you're locked out. And if you fail that, then you, it, it, so it, you have like escalating layers of fail safes in, built into the software of our very basic things. Yeah, and that's I get it, and that's cool. It's just that sometimes we decide there are episodes where we are masters of the station, and we're using the computer and all of the, our knowledge of it and our engineering prowess to save the day or to kind of be omnipotent. And then on occasion, there's like. We are completely victims of or prisoners of that same ship. So, I, I mean, I guess that's an interesting concept that's different than, you know, like an Enterprise episode where you, the ship would have to be attacked in order for it to then be nefarious. And here it's a, it's, it's a, it's a potential at any episode. It's just, it just felt a little out of nowhere. But that's for all. me, for me, I like that, though. I th- yeah, okay. Because um, the, the fact that we're, because we've had stuff like this happened a couple of times where we are reminded this is a Cardassian mm-hmm. station, right? That this, wh- everything we're using is this weird bastardization of Federation and Cardassian technology, which are not designed to work together and are sort of adversarial, uh, concept- even conceptually, right? In the goals, right? The goal of the Federation software is you start with safety, you start with taking care of people and individuals and humanity or whatever. And the Cardassian, their number, their primary goal is not that at all. Mm. Their primary goal is efficiency. It's it's control. It's intimidation. So, like, all of these things, of course, they're not always going to work well together. And and we're, we're trying to put our Federation software ideology onto a physical and technological infrastructure not designed for that, which is why we had to, you know, redo the power grid so that the protections weren't fatal. You mm. know, and it's just like, um, you know, and, and we have, we, we've dealt with this before with some of like the, uh, uh, in, in the episode, uh, the abandoned, not, not the abandoned, um, the forsaken or whatever it was when Odo and uh, Troy are trapped in the, trapped in the elevator that Odo can't escape there because the power thingies are unshielded. So he'd literally just zap himself to death going through. So of course, and the station is giant, it's the size of a city. So they're going to constantly years and years and years forward going to be bumping into things left over by the Cardassians that don't work well. They don't play well with others. So that is my wholehearted defense of why this would happen All right. realistically in this. We're not on the Enterprise. All you right. know what I mean? All right. 
There you go. All right. So uh, let us talk about our best moment, shall we? Yeah. I think it's sort of twofold because I actually think the sort of entire – as soon as Ducat shows up on the ship, from there through the resolution, I think is the most impactful because I think it shows both that whatever goodwill we had or tentative tentative, uh, truce we had had with Ducat from the last episode with him and Ben sort of heroing – is on shaky ground now. Clearly, his motives will always be self-serving. And we also learn how... I mean, we kind of learned in that last episode as well, but we also learned how sort of suspect he is to the... the, He's not as high up the chain as he thought. There's a lot of... That the whole bluster of the Cardassians, there's... Is their sort of chink in their armor is... uh, Sort of of what's happening... I don't want to get too political with, with... looking at our politics, we'll say, is that everybody's out for themselves and everybody's spying on everybody and everybody's trying to get everybody and it's there's it's it's barracudas, right? They're just eating <laughs> they're eating themselves, yeah. which is very interesting because the Cardassians pride themselves on being very uh, central and we are we're operating at a level nobody can our, our this is the best, our that is the best. But truthfully, that is undermined by their suspicion, their paranoia, their their need to one up one another or to to ascend. So I thought that's cool. All of that's really powerful. And clearly now, any goodwill he has earned has been thrown out the door because he tried to put the screws to them. And also was like weird with Kira, which is hopefully she. I hope she gets an opportunity to stick her boot up his ass. Um, so that, I think, is the best part of the episode. But the best moment for me is Jake. It, Jake continues to be mm. everything you want him to be. He's he's forging his own identity. But even him not wanting to go to Starfleet, even him having more kind of creative or renaissance-leaning passions, he still is a hero. He did the right thing. Yes, he went and saves O'Brien, and I thought that was awesome. And he wanted to be part of the team and he wanted to go with them and he's he's just an he's a, he's a Cisco through and through and I think that for me was the best moment even though I knew they telegraph it so hard what's going to happen but it, when it when he does do that savior moment I think I just it feels so right to me so that's my pick yeah uh yeah I I, I think for me um it is the Ducat of it all I, I think it is cocky Ducat Hopping around, not being con- you know concerned by the phaser, knocking uh, Cisco's baseball off the desk. I, I think it's just really uh, delicious to play with, and had to be so much fun to play for Michael Mark Alimo. And I, I think your part, your your point about how the Cardassian government's weakness comes from the lack of trust. It, look, there, it, it it's a fascist government, right? And that's what happens when when you when you fall into you know fascism. Nobody trusts anybody. It's not based on anything. There's no shared mutual ideas mm-hmm. ideals. It's just um, this sort of dystopian power grab from everybody. And so you have you have Ducat and his delusions of grandeur and his his, his pomposity is just so delicious. Ooh, pomposity. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's it's really it's really fun. So um, and you know and it is it is full of darkness, 
but also, you know, when you have that ridiculous stomping around and, and he has come up and said, it's really fun. It's really satisfying. So it scratched my itch. All right. So uh, let us hand out some self-sealing Stambolts. Oh. oh god. Let me wiggle. That's so bad. Boss for you. Oh, apologies, world. We're gonna get that fixed, baby. You get some oh, there it is. We needed it, Keith. We, we deserved we it. We 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 deserved it. That's right. <laughs> well, All you've right. done you've done a decent job pulling me back from the edge of oblivion. I was not feeling this episode. It felt just uh, it just felt like exactly how you described it. Actually, like the script was what it was. Everybody had feelings about it, and they did their best to kind of make it work. I I do agree that the. The temple doominess of it was interesting. I think that the we learned a little bit. I mean, where are we left at the end of this episode? In if if I'm being if I'm being generous, we're left feeling a little bit of unease about this. The we're, we're reminded that Deep Space Nine is not our home. In fact, I think that was a line from the episode. Yes, That's yeah, what, Bashir says yeah. it. Yeah, and. We are definitely in on lesser friendly terms with Ducat and his ilk, and that's kind of about it, really. That's the change that we've been left with. I, I maybe it was my mood. I just was not compelled, which hmm. doesn't mean it was bad. I thought the performances were all really good, even. Dax and Kira and the people on Ops who weren't really doing much until Ducat showed up. And I thought it was interesting pairings of the different groups to see some relationships established. As far as it, as stem bolts, I can't trash it because there was definitely a an attempt made and everybody was, was engaged in the episode but I have to be honest, it's not in my upper echelon. You're getting 69 wow. self-sealing stem bolts. Maybe the, our audience will, will, will definitely prove me wrong, but that's where I'm feeling. Yeah, I mean, I, I, your, your, your critique about this episode not having a giant bearing on the past and the future is fair. It is definitely a standalone sort of escapade sort of a thing. It is, it is not – oh, go ahead. I think what also hurts the plot, what have, would have helped the plot for me is if the resolution, the ultimate resolution to, to save the day was a combination of the three teams. They had to work together somehow in order to – And it was only two of the three. Sort of, really. It was really kind of – Ben well, with his like vials of whatever he was doing. I mean, yes, they all work together, but let's be honest. Uh, his mad scientisting it was funny. As Jake's like saving someone's life, Ben's just like passing around. I, I, I well, yes, and, <laughs> and his just ooh, <laughs> he was like, what's happening? So anyway, yeah, I feel I feel confident in my sixty nine. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you're 
you're right. It is a standalone. It is sort of a standalone sort of escapade. But for me, not that there's anything wrong with that. No, I I found in its standalone escapade of it all, I found it very satisfying. I really find the oh oh I clicked on that pop up ad I shouldn't have clicked on, and then like oh I fix it uh oh, and then oh I fix it uh oh, and then just continuing to to raise the stakes there I. I found it I, for, for whatever reason. This episode always scratches my itch, and and I think that I always look forward to seeing it. It is always welcome. Um, is it one of those like crazy character building, world building? No, it's just if you're gonna have a bottle episode, have it be satisfying. And for me personally, I found it very satisfying. Okay, you would like the um, action of it all. Because that's no, really there's no character development. There's no. It's, it, it's it's not the action of it. It's the escalating peril. It's it's the trap. It's the software trap. I love thinking through the building of that software, and then how do you deal with something that isn't aware that you're not the thing that you are? It's you know like when when the robots turn on us all, and and they and they all kill us. Uh, when they they're like think they think we're doing one operation but we're doing another. I I don't know. I find the software of it all interesting. Yeah. yeah um, okay. So and Marco Limo's performance is just chef's kiss and that delights me. So I'm gonna give it 89 self sealing oh, stem bolts. That's a golf. Keith, since we don't have CEO Jen this week, yeah. Uh, hopefully she'll chime in with her rating when we recap next week, and she'll be back. Uh, hopefully she gets through for some rehearsals. We can watch it on Zoom. Anyway, I want to just take a quick second because it's you. You mentioned the the sort of fear of it all and the clicking on things you shouldn't click on. Quick, just a quick anecdote about my mom. Mm-hmm. She called Uh-oh. up one time, and this was not long ago. And she was she maybe it was on text, and she was talking to my siblings and I. And she's like, "I have to tell you, I clicked on an email and it sent me pornography. I got there was porn like." And I was like, oh, no, who sent you that? Like, what did you click on? She's like, well, that's what I have a problem with. I have to co- contact them. It was it was Wells Fargo. It was the bank. They sent me a link that had porno on it. I was like, I'm going to tell you, Mom. They didn't. <laughs> that wasn't the bank that sent you that email. And she was, like, wanting to call customer support and, like, let them know they'd been hacked or whatever. I was like, Why that's... did you send me porno? <laughs> But man, the setup. She was like, I'm "You'll here never, for the free you'll never, who, you'll never guess who sent me porno." We're like, "Who? Any of my cousins that are kind of weird?" Right, right. And she's like, "Wells Fargo." Ah. Well, maybe we need to give Rita some digital literacy. Yeah, did a, did, what do they call digital citizenship? They call it anyway. Yes. Well, it's, uh, I, I've had similar conversations <laughs> with other people. My, uh, that shouldn't be all well, right. So. Uh, if you would like to give your rating and review, you can do so right below here. We definitely want to know what did you think of Civil Defense? I think you're going to be on my side, not Mike's. If you would like to send us some porno, you can do so at lookatmystartrektoys at gmail.com or keithandmikeentertainment at gmail.com. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash K-N-L-M, spell out that and. If you're listening to the podcast version, you can do us a huge favor, leave us a rating and review on whatever service of choice. 
Uh, we will appreciate it. Check out our other shows. Look at Mr. Choice and check out KM Geekly. Our social media stuff are right below there. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, hey, Keith, I was thinking of checking out the Prodigy premiere. Would you be interested in potentially watching the pilot again with me? Sure. Okay. Yeah, actually, that's, that's not a bad idea. That's yeah. that, that'd, that'd be good. Patreon.com slash KM yeah. content. Uh, yeah, that sounds great. By the next episode, we will know if my Boston Hockey Bruins are likely to advance in the playoffs. Wish us luck. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM. 